Act Two of Henry the Sixth, Part Three by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One. A plain near Mortimer's Cross, in Herefordshire. A march. Enter Edward, Richard, and their power. I wonder how our princely father escaped, or whether he be escaped away or no, from Clifford and Northumberland's pursuit. Had he been ta'en, we should have heard the news. Had he been slain, we should have heard the news. Or had he escaped, methinks we should have heard the happy tidings of his good escape. How fares my brother? Why is he so sad? I cannot joy until I be resolved where our right valiant father is become. I saw him in the battle range about and watched him how he singled Clifford forth. Methought he bore him in the thickest troop, as doth a lion in a herd of net, or as a bear encompassed round with dogs, who, having pinched a few and made them cry, the rest stand all aloof and bark at him. So fared our father with his enemies, so fled his enemies, my warlike father. Methinks tis prize enough to be his son. See how the morning opes her golden gates, And takes her farewell of the glorious sun. How well resembles it the prime of youth, Trimmed like a junker prancing to his love. Dazzle mine eyes, or do I see three suns? Three glorious suns, each one a perfect sun, Not separated with the racking clouds, But severed in a pale clear shining sky. See, see! They join, embrace, and seem to kiss, As if they vowed some league inviolable. Now are they but one lamp, one light, one sun. In this the heaven figures some event. Tis wondrous strange, the like yet never heard of. I think it sights us, brother, to the field, That we, the sons of brave Plantagenet, Each one already blazing by our meads, should notwithstanding join our lights together and overshine the earth as this the world whate'er it bodes henceforward i will bear upon my target three fair shining suns nay bear three daughters by your leave i speak it you love the breeder better than the male enter a messenger but what art thou whose heavy looks foretell some dreadful story hanging on thy tongue Ah, one that was a woeful looker-on, when as the noble Duke of York was slain, your princely father and my loving lord. Oh, speak no more, for I have heard too much. Say how he died, for I will hear it all. Environed he was, with many foes, and stood against them as the hope of Troy against the Greeks that would have entered Troy. But Hercules himself must yield to odds, and many strokes, though with a little axe, hew down and fell the hardest timbered oak by many hands your father was subdued but only slaughtered by the ireful arm of unrelenting clifford and the queen who crowned the gracious duke in high despite laughed in his face and when with grief he wept the ruthless queen gave him to dry his cheeks a napkin steeped in the harmless blood of sweet young rutland by rough clifford slain and after many scorns, many foul taunts, they took his head, and on the gates of York they set the same. And there it doth remain, the saddest spectacle that e'er I viewed. Sweet Duke of York, our prop to lean upon, 
Now thou art gone, and we have no staff, no stay. O oh, Clifford, boisterous Clifford, thou hast slain the flower of Europe for his chivalry, and treacherously hast thou vanquished him, for hand to hand he would have vanquished thee. Now my soul's palace is become a prison. Ah, would she break from hence, that this my body might in the ground be closed up in rest? For never henceforth shall I joy again, never, oh, never shall I see more joy. I cannot weep for all my body's moisture, scarce serves to quench my furnace-burning heart, nor can my tongue unload my heart's great burthen, for self-same wind that I shall speak withal is kindling coals that fires all my breast and burns me up with flames that tears would quench to weep is to make less the depth of grief tears then for babes blows and revenge for me richard i bear thy name i'll venge thy death or die renowned by attempting it his name that valiant duke hath left with thee his dukedom and his chair with me is left nay if thou be that princely eagle's bird show thy descent by gazing gainst the sun for chair and dukedom throne and kingdom say either that is thine or else thou wert not his march enter warwick montague and their army how now fair lords what fair what news abroad great lord of warwick if we should recount our baleful news and at each word's deliverance stab poniards in our flesh till all were told the words would add more anguish than the wounds o valiant lord the duke of york is slain o warwick warwick that plantagenet which held thee dearly as his soul's redemption is by the stern lord clifford done to death ten days ago i drowned these news in tears and now, to add more measure to your woes, I come to tell you things sith then befallen. After the bloody fray at Wakefield fought, where your brave father breathed his latest gasped, tidings as swiftly as the posts could run, were brought me of your loss and his depart. I, then in London, keeper of the king, mustered my soldiers, gathered flocks of friends, and very well appointed, as I thought, marched towards St. Albans to intercept the Queen, bearing the King in my behalf along. For by my scouts I was advertised that she was coming with a full intent to dash our late decree in Parliament, touching King Henry's oath and your succession. Short tale to make, we at St. Albans met, our battles joined, and both sides fiercely fought. But whether twas the coldness of the king, who looked full gently on his warlike queen, that robbed my soldiers of their heated spleen, or whether twas report of her success, or more than common fear of Clifford's rigour, who thunders to his captive's blood and death, I cannot judge. But to conclude with truth, their weapons, like to lightning, came and went, our soldiers, like the night owl's lazy flight, or like an idle thresher with a flail, fell gently down, as if they struck their friends. I cheered them up with justice of our cause, with promise of high pay and great rewards. But all in vain, they had no heart to fight, 
and we in them no hope to win the day. So that we fled, the king unto the queen, Lord George your brother, Norfolk, and myself, in haste, post-haste, are come to join with you. For in the marches here we heard you were, making another head to fight again. Where is the Duke of Norfolk, gentle Warwick? And when came George from Burgundy to England? Some six miles off the Duke is with the soldiers, and for your brother he was lately sent from your kind art, Duchess of Burgundy, with aid of soldiers to this needful war. Twas odds, belike, when valiant Warwick fled. Oft have I heard his praise in pursuit, but never till now his scandal of retire. Nor now my scandal, Richard, dost thou hear, for thou shalt know this strong right hand of mine can pluck the diadem from fate Henry's head, and wring the awful sceptre from his fist, were he as famous and as bold in war as he is famed for mildness, peace, and prayer. I know it well, Lord Warwick, blame me not. Tis love I bear thy glories makes me speak. But in this troublous time what's to be done? Shall we go throw away our coats of steel, and wrap our bodies in black morning gowns, numbering our Ave Marias with our beads? Or shall we on the helmets of our foes tell our devotion with revengeful arms? If for the last say I, and to it, lords. Why, therefore Warwick came to seek you out, and therefore comes my brother Montague. Attend me, lords. The proud insulting queen with Clifford and the haught Northumberland, and of their feather many more proud birds, have wrought the easy melting king like wax. He swore consent to your succession, his oath enrolled in the parliament, and now to London all the crew are gone, to frustrate both his oath and what beside may make against the house of Lancaster. Their power, I think, is thirty thousand strong. Now, with the help of Norfolk and myself, with all the friends that thou, brave Earl of March, amongst the loving Welshmen canst procure, will but amount to five and twenty thousand. Why, via to London will we march amain, and once again bestride our firming steeds, and once again cry, Charge upon our foes, but never once again turn back and fly. Ay, now methinks I hear great Warwick speak. Never may he live to see a sunshine day that cries retire if Warwick bid him stay. Lord Warwick, on thy shoulder will I lean, and when thou failst, as God forbid the hour, must Edward fall, which peril heaven forfend. No longer Earl of March, but Duke of York. The next degree is England's royal throne, for King of England shalt thou be proclaimed in every borough as we pass along. And he that throws not up his cap for joy shall for the fault make forfeit of his head. King Edward, valiant Richard, Montague, stay we no longer dreaming of renown, but sound the trumpets and about our task. Then, Clifford, wear thy heart as hard as steel, as thou hast shown it flinty by thy deeds, I come to pierce it, or to give thee mine. Then strike up the drums, God and St. George for us. Enter a messenger. How now? What news? The Duke of Norfolk sends you word by me. The Queen is coming with a puissant host, 
and craves your company for speedy counsel. Why, then, it sorts. Brave warriors, let's away. Exeunt. Scene two, before York. Flourish. Enter King Henry the Sixth, Queen Margaret, Prince Edward, Clifford, and Northumberland, with drum and trumpets. Welcome, my lord, to this brave town of York. Yonder's the head of that arch-enemy that sought to be encompassed with your crown. Doth not the object cheer your heart, my lord? Ay, as the rocks cheer them that fear their wreck. To see this sight it irks my very soul. Withhold revenge, dear God. Tis not my fault, nor wittingly have I infringed my vow. My gracious liege, this is too much lenity, and harmful pity must be laid aside. To whom do lions cast their gentle looks? Not to the beast that would usurp their den. Whose hand is that that the forest bear doth lick? Not his that spoils her young before her face. Who scapes the lurking serpent's mortal sting? Not he that sets his foot upon her back. The smallest worm will turn being trodden on, And doves will peck in safeguard of their brood. Ambitious York doth level at thy crown, Thou smiling while he knit his angry brows. He but a duke would have his son a king, And raise his issue like a loving sire. Thou, being a king, blessed with a goodly son, Didst yield consent to disinherit him, Which argued thee a most unloving father. Unreasonable creatures feed their young, And though man's face be fearful to their eyes, Yet in protection of their tender ones, Who hath not seen them, even with those wings Which sometime they have used with fearful fright, Make war with him that climbed unto their nest, Offer their own lives in their young's defence. For shame, my liege, make them your precedent. Were it not pity that this goodly boy Should lose his birthright by his father's fault, And long hereafter say unto his child, what my great-grandfather and his grandsire got, my careless father fondly gave away. Ah, what a shame were this! Look on the boy, and let his manly face, which promiseth successful fortune, steal thy melting heart, to hold thine own and leave thine own with him. Full well hath Clifford played the orator, inferring arguments of mighty force. But, Clifford, tell me, didst thou never hear that things ill-got had ever bad success? And happy always was it for that son whose father for his hoarding went to hell. I'll leave my son my virtuous deeds behind, and would my father had left me no more. For all the rest is held at such a rate as brings a thousandfold more care to keep than in possession and jot of pleasure. Ah, cousin York, would thy best friends did know how it doth grieve me that thy head is here. My lord, cheer up your spirits. Our foes are nigh, and this soft courage makes your followers faint. You promised knighthood to our forward son. Unsheathe your sword and dub him presently. Edward, kneel down. Edward Plantagenet, arise a knight, and learn this lesson. Draw thy sword in right. My gracious father, by your kingly leave, I'll draw it as a parent to the crown, and in that quarrel use it to the death. Why, that is spoken like a toward prince. Enter a messenger. Royal commanders, be in readiness, for with a band of thirty thousand men comes Warwick, backing of the Duke of York, and in the towns, as they do march along, proclaims him king, and many fly to him. 
terrain your battle, for they are at hand. I would your highness would depart the field. The queen hath best success when you are absent. Ay, good my lord, and leave us to our fortune. Why, that's my fortune too, therefore I'll stay. Be it with resolution then to fight. My royal father, cheer these noble lords, and hearten those that fight in your defence. Unsheathe your sword, good father. Cry, Saint George. March. Enter Edward, George, Richard, Warwick, Norfolk, Montague, and soldiers. Now, perjured Henry, wilt thou kneel for grace and set thy diadem upon my head, or bide the mortal fortune of the field? Go rate thy minions, proud, insulting boy. Becomes it thee to be thus bold in terms before thy sovereign and thy lawful king? I am his king, and he should bow his knee. I was adopted heir by his consent. Since when his oath is broke, for as I hear, you that are king, though he do wear the crown, have caused him, by new act of parliament, to blot out me, and put his own son in. And reason, too. Who should succeed the father but the son? Are you there, butcher? Oh, I cannot speak. Ay, crookback, here I stand to answer thee, or any he the proudest of thy sort. Twas you that killed young Rutland, was it not? I and old York, and yet not satisfied. For God's sake, lords, give signal to the fight. What sayest thou, Henry? Wilt thou yield the crown? Why, how now, long-tongued Warwick, dare you speak? When you and I met at St. Albans last, your legs did better service than your hands. Then twas my turn to fly, and now tis thine. You said so much before, and yet you fled. Twas not thy valour, Clifford, drove me thence. No, nor your manhood that durst make you stay. Northumberland, I hold thee reverently. Break off the parley, for scarce I can refrain. The execution of my big swan heart upon that Clifford, that cruel child-killer. I slew thy father. Calls thou him a child? I, like a dastard and a treacherous coward, as thou didst kill our tender brother Rutland. But ere sunset I'll make thee curse the deed. Have done with words, my lords, and hear me speak. Defy them, then, or else hold close thy lips. I prithee, give no limits to my tongue. I am a king, and privileged to speak. My liege, the wound that bred this meeting here cannot be cured by words. Therefore be still. Then, executioner, unsheath thy sword. By him that made us all, I am resolved that Clifford's manhood lies upon his tongue. Say, Henry, shall I have my right, or no? A thousand men have broke their fast to-day that ne'er shall dine unless thou yield the crown. If thou deny their blood upon thy head, for York in justice puts his armour on. If that be right which Warwick says is right, there is no wrong, but everything is right. Whoever got thee, there thy mother stands, for well I wot thou hast thy mother's tongue. But thou art neither like thy sire or dam, but like a foul misshapen stigmatic, marked by the destinies to be avoided, as venom toads or lizards dreadful stings. Iron of Naples hid with English guilt, whose father bears the title of a king, as if a channel should be called the sea, 
Shamest thou not, knowing whence thou art extraught, to let thy tongue detect thy base-born heart? A wisp of straw were worth a thousand crowns to make this shameless callet know herself. Helen of Greece was fairer far than thou, although thy husband may be Menelaus, and ne'er was Agamemnon's brother wronged by that false woman as this king by thee. His father reveled in the heart of France, and tamed the king, and made the Dauphin stoop, and had he matched according to his state, he might have kept that glory to this day. But when he took a beggar to his bed, and graced thy poor sire with his bridal day, even then that sunshine brewed a shower for him, that washed his father's fortune forth of France, and heaped sedition on his crown at home. For what hath broached this tumult but thy pride? Hadst thou been meek, our title still had slept, and we, in pity of the gentle king, had slipped our claim until another age. But when we saw our sunshine made thy spring, and that thy summer bred us no increase, we set the axe to thy usurping root, and though the edge hath something hit ourselves, yet know thou, since we have begun to strike, we'll never leave till we have hewn thee down, or bathed thy growing with our heated bloods. And in this resolution I defy thee, not willing any longer conference, since thou deniest the gentle king to speak. Sound trumpets, let our bloody colours wave, and either victory or else a grave. Stay, Edward. No wrangling woman will no longer stay. These words will cost ten thousand lives this day. Exeunt. Scene three. A field of battle between Towton and Saxon in Yorkshire. Alorum excursions. Enter Warwick. Forspent with toil, as runners with a race, I lay me down a little while to breathe. For strokes received, and many blows repaid, Have robbed my strong-knit sinews of their strength. And spite of spite needs must I rest a while. Enter Edward, running. Smile, gentle heaven, or strike ungentle death. For this world frowns, and Edward's sun is clouded. How now, my lord? What hap? What hope of good? Enter George. Our hap is loss, our hope but sad despair. Our ranks are broken, ruin follows us. What counsel give you? Whither shall we fly? Bootless is flight. They follow us with wings, and weak we are, and cannot shun pursuit. Enter Richard. Ah, Warwick, why hast thou withdrawn thyself? Thy brother's blood the thirsty earth has drunk, broached with the steely point of Clifford's lance, and in the very pangs of death he cried, like to a dismal clangor heard from far, Warwick, revenge, brother, revenge my death. So underneath the belly of their steeds, that stained their fetlocks in his smoking blood, the noble gentleman gave up the ghost. Then let the earth be drunken with our blood. I'll kill my horse, because I will not fly. Why stand we like soft-hearted women here, wailing our losses, whilst the foe doth rage, and look upon as if the tragedy were played in jest by counterfeiting actors? Here on my knee I vow to God above, I'll never pause again, never stand still, till either death hath closed these eyes of mine, or fortune given me measure of revenge. O oh, Warwick, I do bend my knee with thine. 
and in this vow do chain my soul to thine. And ere my knee rise from the earth's cold face, I throw my hands, mine eyes, my heart to thee. Thou setter up and plucker down of kings, beseeching thee. If with they will it stands, that to my foes this body must be prey, yet that thy brazen gates of heaven may ope, and give sweet passage to my sinful soul. Now, lords, take leave until we meet again, where'er it be, in heaven or in earth. Brother, give me thy hand, and gentle Warwick, let me embrace thee in my weary arms. I that did never weep, now melt with woe, that winter should cut off our springtime so. Away, away, once more, sweet lords, farewell. Yet let us all together to our troops, and give them leave to fly that will not stay, and call them pillars that will stand to us. And if we thrive, promise them such rewards as victors wear at the Olympian games. This may plant courage in their quailing breasts, for yet is hope of life and victory. For slow no longer, make we hence a man. Exeunt. Scene four, another part of the field. Excursions. Enter Richard and Clifford. Now, Clifford, I have singled thee alone. Suppose this arm is for the Duke of York, and this for Rutland, both bound to revenge, wert thou environed with a brazen wall. Now, Richard, I am with thee here alone. This is the hand that stabbed thy father York, and this is the hand that slew thy brother Rutland. And here's the heart that triumphs in their death, and cheers these hands that slew thy sire and brother to execute the like upon thyself. And so... Have at thee. They fight. Warwick comes. Clifford flies. Nay, Warwick, single out some other chase, for I myself will hunt this wolf to death. Exeunt. Scene five. Another part of the field. Alorum. Enter King Henry the Sixth alone. This battle fares like to the morning's war, when dying clouds contend with growing light. What time the shepherd, blowing of his nails, can neither call it perfect day nor night, now sways it this way like a mighty sea, forced by the tide to combat with the wind, now sways it that way, like the selfsame sea, forced to retire by fury of the wind. Sometime the flood prevails, and then the wind, now one the better, then another best, both tugging to be victors breast to breast. Yet neither conqueror nor conquered, so is the equal of this fell war. Here on this mole-hill will I sit me down, To whom God will there be the victory. For Margaret, my queen, and Clifford too, Have chid me from the battle, Swearing both they prosper best of all When I am thence. Would I were dead, if God's good will were so, For what is in this world but grief and woe? O oh God! Methinks it were a happy life, to be no better than a homely swain, to sit upon a hill, as I do now, to carve out dials quaintly point by point, thereby to see the minutes how they run, how many make the hour full complete, how many hours bring about the day, how many days will finish up the year, how many years a mortal man may live. When this is known, then to divide the times, so many hours must I tend my flock, so many hours must I take my rest, so many hours must I contemplate, 
so many hours must I sport myself. So many days my use have been with young, so many weeks ere the poor fools will e'en, so many years ere I shall shear the fleece, so minutes, hours, days, months, and years, passed over to the end they were created, would bring white hairs unto a quiet grave. Ah, what a life were this! How sweet! How lovely! Gives not the hawthorn-bush a sweeter shade to shepherds looking on their silly sheep, than doth a rich embroidered canopy to kings that fear their subjects' treachery. Oh, yes, it doth! A thousand-fold it doth! And, to conclude, the shepherd's homely curds, his cold, thin drink out of his leather bottle, his wonted sleep under a fresh tree's shade, all which secure and sweetly he enjoys, is far beyond a prince's delicates, his viands sparkling in a golden cup, his body couched in a curious bed, when care, mistrust, and treason waits on him. Alorum. Enter a son that has killed his father, dragging in the dead body. Ill blows the wind that profits nobody. This man whom hand to hand I slew in fight may be possessed with some store of crowns and I that haply take them from him now, may yet ere night yield both my life and them to some man else, as this dead man doth me. Who's this? Oh, God, it's my father's face, whom in this conflict I unawares have killed. Oh, heavy times, begetting such events! From London by the king was I pressed forth, my father being the Earl of Warwick's man, came on the part of York, pressed by his master and I, who at his hands received my life. Him hath by my hands of life bereaved him. Pardon me, God, I knew not what I did. And pardon, Father, for I knew not thee. My tears shall wipe away these bloody marks, and no more words till they have flowed their fill. Oh, piteous spectacle! Oh, bloody times! Whilst lions war and battle for their dens, poor harmless lambs abide their enmity. Weep, wretched man, I'll aid thee tear for tear, and let our hearts and eyes like civil war be blind with tears, and break or charged with grief. Enter a father that has killed his son, bringing in the body. <sighs> Thou that so stoutly hath resisted me, Give me thy gold, if thou hast any gold, for I have bought it with an hundred blows. But let me see. Is this our foeman's face? Ah, no, 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 it is mine only son. Ah, boy, if any life be left in thee, throw up thine eye. See, See what showers arise, blown with the windy tempest of my heart, upon thy words that kill mine eye and heart. Oh, pity God, this miserable age! What stratagems, how fell, how butcherly, erroneous, mutinous, and unnatural, this deadly quarrel! daily doth beget. Oh, boy, thy father gave thee life too soon, and hath bereft thee of thy life <laughs> too late. Woe above woe! 
grief more than common grief oh that my death would stay these ruthful deeds oh pity pity gentle heaven pity the red rose and the white are on his face the fatal colours of our striving houses the one his purple blood right well resembles the other his pale cheeks methinks presenteth wither one rose and let the other flourish if you contend a thousand lives must wither how will my mother for a father's death take on with me and ne'er be satisfied how will my wife for slaughter of my son shed seeds of tears ne'er be satisfied how will the country for these woeful chances misthink the king and not be satisfied was ever son so rude a father's death was ever father so bemoaned his son was ever king so grieved for subjects woe much is your sorrow mine ten times so much i'll bear thee hence where i may weep my fill exit with the body these arms of mine shall be thy winding sheet my heart sweet boy shall be thy sepulchre for from mine heart thine image ne'er shall go my sighing breast shall be thy funeral bell and so obsequious will thy father be even for the loss of thee having no more as priam was for all his valiant sons i'll bear thee hence and let them fight that will for i have murdered where i should not kill exit with the body sad-hearted men much overgone with care here sits a king more woeful than you are alorum's excursions enter queen margaret prince edward and exeter fly father fly for all your friends are fled and warwick rages like a chafed bull away for death doth hold us in pursuit mount you my lord towards berwick post amain edward and richard like a brace of greyhounds having the fearful flying hair in sight with fiery eyes sparkling for very wrath and bloody steel grasped in their ireful hands are at our backs and therefore hence amain away for vengeance comes along with them nay stay not to expostulate make speed or else come after i'll away before nay take me with thee good sweet exeter not that i fear to stay but love to go whither the queen intends forward away exeunt scene six another part of the field aloud alorum enter clifford wounded here burns my candle out ay here it dies which whilst it lasted gave king henry light o lancaster i fear thy overthrow more than my body's parting with my soul my love and fear glued many friends to thee and now i fall thy tough commixture melts impairing henry strengthening misproud york the common people swarm like summer flies and whither fly the gnats but to the sun and who shines now but henry's enemies o oh, phoebus hadst thou never given consent that phaethon should check thy fiery steeds thy burning car never had scorched the earth and henry hadst thou swayed as kings should do 
or as thy father and his father did, giving no ground unto the house of York. They never then had sprung like summer flies. I and ten thousand in this luckless realm had left no mourning widows for our death, and thou this day hadst kept thy chair in peace. For what doth cherish weeds but gentle air? And what makes robbers bold but too much lenity? Bootless are plaints, and cureless are my wounds. No way to fly, nor strength to hold out flight. The foe is merciless and will not pity, for at their hands I have deserved no pity. The air hath got into my deadly wounds, and much effuse of blood doth make me faint. Come, York and Richard, Warwick and the rest. I stabbed your father's bosoms, split my breast. He faints. Alarm and retreat. Enter Edward, George, Richard, Montague, Warwick, and soldiers. Now breathe we, lords. Good fortune bids us pause and smooth the frowns of war with peaceful looks. Some troops pursue the bloody-minded queen that led calm Henry, though he were a king, as doth a sail filled with a fretting gust. Command an argosy to stem the waves. But think you, lords, that Clifford fled with them? No, tis impossible he should escape, for though before his face I speak the words, your brother Richard marked him for the grave, and wheresoe'er he is, he's surely dead. Clifford groans and dies. A deadly groan, like life and death's departing. See who it is, and now the battle's ended, if it friend or foe, let him be gently used. Revoke that doom of mercy, for tis Clifford who not contented that he lopped the branch in ewing rutland when his leaves put forth but set his murdering knife unto the root from whence that tender spray did sweetly spring i mean our princely father duke of york from off the gates of york fetched down the head your father's head which clifford placed there instead whereof let this supply the room measure for measure must be answered Bring forth that fatal screech-owl to our house, that nothing sung but death to us and ours. Now death shall stop his dismal threatening sound, and his ill-boding tongue no more shall speak. I think his understanding is bereft. Speak, Clifford, dost thou know who speaks to thee? Dark cloudy death o'ershades his beams of life, and he nor sees nor hears us what we say. Oh, would he did! and so perhaps he doth tis but his policy to counterfeit because he would avoid such bitter taunts which in the time of death he gave our father if so thou think'st vex him with eager words clifford ask mercy and obtain no grace clifford repent in bootless penitence clifford devise excuses for thy faults while we devise fell tortures for thy faults thou didst love york and i am son to york thou pitiedst rutland i will pity thee where's captain margaret to fence you now they mock thee clifford swear as thou wast wont what not an oath nay then the world goes hard when clifford cannot spare his friends an oath i know by that he's dead and by my soul if this right hand would buy two hours life that i in all despite might rail at him this hand should chop it off and with the issuing blood 
stifled the villain whose unstaunched thirst york and young rutland could not satisfy ay but he's dead off with the traitor's head and rear it in the place your father's stands and now to london with triumphant march there to be crowned england's royal king from whence shall warwick cut the sea to france and ask the lady bona for thy queen so shalt thou sinew both these lands together and having france thy friend thou shalt not dread the scattered foe that hopes to rise again for though they cannot greatly sting to hurt yet look to have them buzz to offend thine ears first will i see the coronation and then to brittany or cross the sea to effect this marriage so it please my lord even as thou wilt sweet warwick let it be for in thy shoulder do i build my seat and never will i undertake the thing wherein thy counsel and consent is wanting richard i will create thee duke of gloucester and george of clarence warwick as ourself shall do and undo as him pleaseth best let me be duke of clarence george of gloucester for gloucester's dukedom is too ominous Tut, that's a foolish observation richard be duke of gloucester now to london to see these honours in possession Exeunt. end of act two